Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out by uh, accessing that through Calvary's app or going to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection. Well, today on the podcast, a little bit different uh, persons, person in the seat. So Michael Pitzer is with us uh, today, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, John, the last part of chapter 20, uh, which is what he covered uh, on Sunday uh, in Sunday's sermon. So Michael, welcome, and uh, let's jump right into it. There's a lot of a lot of stuff here, too, uh, <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff at the last uh, bit of John there, so... All kinds of places to go, right? Yeah, this uh, this week for the sermon, I kind of had a hard time uh, choosing or narrowing down um, what to cover in the sermon because there's a lot here in this passage. Um, and the more I dived into studying it, uh, the more I kind of uh, just kind of got a lot of scripture, um, a lot of different areas. So um, to kind of just uh, choose a first place for this podcast, um, I wanted to look at a, a Greek word um, in verse... 27 in chapter 20 of John, uh, Jesus says, says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand to put it in my side, stop doubting and believe. And this is that moment when Thomas gets that evidence that he needs to believe. Um, but I, I want to do a little Greek study in that. And when Jesus says, stop doubting, that word doubting um, it's a Greek word, apistos, if I'm saying it correctly, apistos. And as I was studying, studying it, it was fascinating that within that word, it, it means unbelief, but there's an implication of a refusal to believe. And I found that really fascinating that it wasn't just that he didn't wasn't believing, but he, the evidence was there and he was even seeing it was still in the mindset of refusing to believe. He didn't want to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. Right. Right, so that yeah, it's kind of uh, we we kind of do that same kind of language construction in in English, right? So there's the 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 pistos version of that, which is the believe part, and then the ah at the beginning, which would talk about a, a negative association or a refusal or a kind of like a, a a cognitive awareness to go, no, I want the other way, right? It's a really yeah. It's a really um, interesting word to use there in that, that yeah, section, isn't it? Instead of, I mean, it was like a willful choice that Thomas was making. And you right. even see that earlier in the scripture when he's talking to his, his friends and disciples. He says, unless I, I see it and put my hands in, in his side, I will not believe that, uh, as I talked about in that sermon, he had three years of evidence and to see that Jesus really was the Son of God. And while that probably should have been enough, um, he had that refusal to believe, uh, and the sermon I kind of mentioned a, a couple po- reasons why that might be the case, um, but uh, I, I really found found it fascinating, and I think we'll, where I, it really hit me was the idea of God's grace. Mm-hmm. That when Jesus, knowing that he had enough evidence, probably before he even showed up for Thomas to believe, met his unwillingness to believe there, and then finally said, "You know what, Thomas? All right." You, you, here's the evidence, and just stop refusing to believe and give in. And mm-hmm. I don't think Jesus needed to do that, and uh, um, I thought that grace was awesome. 
Um, and I and I think that's a trend. I was thinking back to Exodus um, chapter three, when chapter three and chapter four, when God is talking to Moses at the burning bush, and Moses is a little hesitant to go back to the people who rejected him, his own people, and God gives him three signs, right? Um, and he says, all right, here's the first sign. Um, I think if I recall off the top of my head, it's uh, take that staff that you have in your hand, throw it on the ground, it becomes a snake. Mm-hmm. Um, you have water to blood. You have the um, hand going into his robe and coming out leprous. Right. And after the first one, God says to Moses, you know, here's this sign, but they might not believe you. So let me give you a second sign. And after that, I said, God says again, they might not believe you, so let me give you a third sign so that they have all the evidence they need, even though one miracle would probably be enough. That would be, I mean, God's even being gracious there, Um, but I think God shows that he goes above and beyond to give us the evidence we need to believe. Then it falls on us, are we refusing to believe or not, Um, and whether it's believing in Jesus as a Savior or even in those smaller areas of our life where, you know, we've given these things over, but when it comes to work, I, I can't believe there. I need to control that. Or when it comes to our relationships, I need to control that. Whatever it might be, um, God's going to do what He needs to to give us the evidence. Then it's a willful choice for us after that. Sure. Now, you've been using um, a word uh, here in our conversation and a word on Sunday as well that's uh, kind of a it's a it's an interesting word that probably has a lot of baggage for um for most people and that's the word evidence yes right and so when we talk about usually in our context when we talk about the word evidence uh we're kind of taking that out of a tradition of either american judicial system right yep uh you know do we have enough evidence to convict or evidence to acquit um or we use it in a scientific um context where we say do we have enough evidence to verify this theory or to to prove this theory as predictably true on a you know an ongoing basis in the future, um, maybe we can talk just a little bit about how your use of that word might be different or might be the same um, in terms of this kind of context of scripture that we're talking about. How is it the same? How is it different? Uh, since we kind of take a um, you know, we, we make a lot of assumptions about that word, perhaps yes. that that uh, we might not that might be fair or not fair uh, to put on uh, the biblical text. Well, I um, when I was first looking at this, I was definitely starting from that scientific idea of evidence, and that comes from Thomas's own. Hey, I need to that empirical senses. I need to touch, taste, feel, see um, mm-hmm. Jesus. In person, I have to have the evidence in front of me. It wasn't as much of a uh, um, experimentation um, as much as it, it was. I just need to. He needed to empirically see the evidence and to feel the evidence f- for him to believe. Um, and whether that was an excuse saying I need to see it and touch it, and uh, and even then, I think he struggled to believe until Jesus said, "Hey, stop." Um, but I think it starts off anyway with that. Um, scientific type of evidence. Um, anyway, that, that's kind of where I, I was going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, from a, a, our faith perspective, um, then I kind of wondered, well, what is the evidence? Well, what, what is evidence? Um, and I know in children's time, we use that analogy of, uh, that, of wind. Right. Um, 
that you can't see wind, at least on a normal basis. You can see the effects of the wind. You can mm-hmm. see how it impacts the world around you and how it impacts you. And you see kind of secondhand evidence for the wind itself. Um, and and in similar ways, that's evidence that we have for God, that it's almost a secondhand evidence that uh, you can't always physically touch it or physically see it, but there's enough secondhand evidence that you can piece together and say, is this this actually point to something that is a reality that's there? And I think that's a, a struggle that a struggle and a question that all of us have to wrestle with um, throughout our life is: is there enough evidence for God? Is there enough, um, whether it's empirical or whether it's or like firsthand or whether it's secondhand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps to get at a little bit of what you're what you're asking there um, as far as evidence. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely not um, 100% all the evidence is there that beyond a doubt. Um, oh, sure. Well, and I think that um, I, I'm always fascinated by our... Um, our, our tendencies to kind of read uh, 18, 19, 20, 21st century um, understandings of the world back into a document that was written in, you know, the fourth, fifth, and first century, yeah. uh, you know, BCs, uh, BC and AD. And so it's, it's kind of a it always gives me pause to go, okay, well, what about my own assumptions here in terms of proof or burden of proof um, have been influenced by um, a a method of understanding reality that these biblical writers did not have. Um, It's not to say that they weren't vacant of it, but they didn't assemble it in the same way that we would assemble it. So they're kind of check sheet of, is this real or is this not real? Um, doesn't look the same as ours does. Correct, you know? and uh, and if my understanding um, of uh, history is correct, that um, where people really got truth was from divine revelation at this point in time, and whether whatever God that they were believing in, they would uh, much more easily accept that reality and, and truth um, coming from those sources than since the modern era became where truth only is defined by uh, the scientific method from empirical data, um, and uh, which now we've kind of even shifted away from that with postmodernism and and relative truth. But uh, um, I do think that, yeah, as far as the evidence that Thomas would need to to see God or to to believe in God or to believe that Jesus was God would probably be a lot less than what we would even have today, would be my guess, Um, just because they were used to divine revelation being a source of truth, or we're not today, Um, and uh, um, for a lot of society. Or or that it's at least acknowledged as being... um a framework for understanding the rest of the world. Not that there's this big split down the middle that says, I only believe that this is green if God says it's green, right? I mean, there's a sense where they go, God sets up these parameters of here's how the world works. And from that, we can say green is green. Um, Yes. You know, like that's a, to, to be just a little bit more specific about ancient practices in terms of, you know, how they understood 
what we would call truth or reality yes, or, yes. or whatever. Um, and, and that, uh, I, and I loved what you said on Sunday where you ended up, um, you know, this idea of believing to see, not seeing to believe, but believing to see. And that has a incredibly rich tradition um, in the church going going way back, um, even to Augustine, who was one of the, I mean, this is third, fourth century, and he is a guy who is incredibly smart, but incredibly skeptical early on in his life, a real searcher for truth, looking at other kinds of, um, you know, religious systems in order to do that, that were not necessarily Christianity. And uh, so this is a guy who's been around the block in terms of trying to assess the world around him and ultimately ends up in the, uh, you know, kind of the, the saying, um, faith seeking understanding, not understanding seeking faith. So there's a, a sense where he says there, there is some benefit to uh, wanting to understand something outside of the context of faith, but faith first informing our understanding of the world is um, a much more, uh, I don't know, I guess efficient and um, <laughs> is it terrible to use a word like that? Pragmatic, you yeah. know, like it, it actually works. Like it, it does fit together in that sense. Well, there's uh, two things that um, I want to kind of connect to with what you're saying here. The first one is um, one of the rabbit holes that I was going down in preparing for this was how many scriptures related to faith giving us sight. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, you have Second Corinthians five seven that says, "For we live by faith, not by sight, not by that physical sight we have, but faith somehow gives us more of a real vision and direction than our our eyes do." Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, a lot of imagery when it comes to God being light and source of light, Jesus being the light of the world, um, that thy word is a lamp unto my feet, um, that it is his light that gives us the ability to see and the ability to know where to go, and that infers then that we're living in darkness, so that even what we're seeing now isn't really what we should be or what's actually there. And once we come to Jesus and we have that light, we can really see for the first time um, that... uh, an analogy that, uh, whether it's appropriate or not, I'm not sure, but um, a lot of our culture loves the nightlife, and um, a lot of the nightlife is in dark places, right? And it's always funny to me that you wonder what someone looks like once the light comes on. You know, you spend all night with someone and and or in a place, and once the lights come on, it looks completely different. The person looks very different, good or bad, um, but that, I kind of have that same analogy, Um when it comes to faith, that uh, uh, when we come to God, we have that light that we didn't have before, and all of a sudden we can see in ways that we never could see before. So a ton of references to um, faith giving us sight. Um, so that's that first part. The second part, um, you, you talked about how starting with faith as a kind of a lens, if we want to use that lens, or the, the sunglasses, mm-hmm. like a analogy from the sermon, um, it's kind of more efficient or kind of just speeds up the process um, of living life. And uh, it brought me down to one of the parts that I kind of struggled with, and that is where Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. 
Right. And right. Uh, um, I almost struggled with what does that mean? Like, I, I'll cling to that promise of blessed and and that means all of us because none of us were there. But right. where, what does that blessing look like? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I thought about it a lot and prayed about a lot. Um, one of the thoughts that came to me was the whole idea is kind of what you're getting at is how much more joy in life will you have if you're not constantly questioning everything, that if you can start with that faith up front and then build the evidence or, or the the bridge, as the analogy I used, along sure. the way, but you're not constantly checking every step that you're taking, double-checking everybody else around you, that there's so much more joy in life when you are starting with that point of faith than trying to prove that faith along the way. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I might tweak your statement Go just a little bit as, you know, as is my, as is my custom, right? I'm just yes. a tweaker. <laughs> Uh, that um, the the questioning gets set inside of a boundary that talks about an answer being there, that it is a discovery. And so for people who are um, continually curious about reality, uh, I I think faith-seeking understanding is not a non-question-asking kind of experience that you can still uh, have you could still walk away, walk around every day and go, why is this this way? 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 And have that be an actually fulfilling experience instead of a uh, an experience that becomes so uh, nihilistic. You know, there is no answer to this. This is not. Yes, there's exactly. nothing that happens. And so you you turn that seeking on its head, and you instead of uh, saying, I don't know that there is anything here. Uh, you come at it from a perspective of there's something here and there's something there to be discovered. I wonder what that is. Um, and that's such a such a different shift in the way you go about, um, I mean, I guess the technical word would be being skeptical, you know, in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a different way yep. of being skeptical. It's, it's almost um, a, a Jesus skepticism. Well, and so it was again. This was an area that I left out of the conversation on Sunday. Uh, but look at—I don't want to say the necessarily the difference between questioning and doubting. Uh, but I like how you said it puts that questioning in a different framework. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was looking at it, um, that um, it's it's good to question, and you should always keep questioning. And I love that aspect about life to always ask, but. I have that hope that I know where the ultimate answer is, and I will figure out the rest of the puzzle as I walk that I know all the pieces fit into whatever picture that is. So even when I don't understand it and I have a piece of life that I don't see where it might go in the puzzle or it's a really dark piece and it's like, where does this black fit into this picture? Um, I know that it fits into that 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 puzzle, that picture. And um, when you don't have that framework of faith, then it, the questioning leads to doubt, leads to hopelessness, despair, because you don't know where. Um, there's like there's no way that this blackness can fit anywhere with this light, um, whatever it might be, to kind of butcher that analogy. But um, that was one of those things that I, I was wanting to bring in, just didn't have that time. But yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's part of that. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Is it does allow you a uh, I don't want to say a safe place to question, but um, uh, a, a great framework to be able to question in with hope, with life, with expectancy, even mm-hmm. um, that you don't have without that. Um, 
Right. So, and that's the whole point of John's gospel. I mean, he's very, he's very, uh, upfront about it. Um, you know, that these things are written so that you might believe, I mean, he is, he is trying to, uh, connect with an audience that is very far removed from the time of Jesus. I mean, this is the latest gospel yes. that's written the furthest after the events that he's describing. And so, uh, you know, he's having to work with this, uh, this notion that y- you weren't there. Like, yep. like this is not the most, this is not the most foundational. You being there is not the most foundational part of belief. And I think as, you know, 21st century Americans who are, uh, in, incredibly privileged to, uh, quote unquote, be at things, you know, whether it's, whether it's on video or whether it's audio snippets or whether it's, uh, you know, immediate, you know, tweeted, uh, comments about a thing, you know, it's, in fact, it's the only reason that, uh, cable television exists anymore. Sports, right. Real time. Like it has to be in real time. Like you have to be there at that moment for a culture that still is in some way obsessed with that. John is saying to a certain extent, get over it. You know, like you can't be, there's no way you could have been. You couldn't be there. Yes. But let me tell you about it in a way that uh, you will connect with, whether you were there or not. And you know what? I think what he's actually saying is that you have a better, you're going to have a better experience with this than even the people who were there. And that just blows your mind. <laughs> you yeah. know, to go, we're better off than the, the folks who were there. And we think it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, we think, oh, wouldn't it be great to, you know, have been there and, and done that. Um, you know, when we, you and I were on the same trip to Israel uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. and I, I just remember a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, uh, wishful slash exasperated uh, thinking that went on in all inside of all of us. We're like, like, oh, I wish we could have seen it seen the way, there, seen it the way it was or yep. this or that or the other thing. And, and after a while, you kind of, you read John and you go, well, we, we've got, We've got a perspective that's uniquely us that, in a sense, is just as fulfilling as those folks had. Yeah. Well, and it it says to me that the there's enough with what God has given us to make that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. That God, it's not like God has said, "All right, you just have to believe on blind faith." That there's there's nothing supporting it. Um, it, it says to me that. Um, Yes, it's great to be able to have witnessed it, to, to be, able, be able to have been there would have been awesome, but it's not nece- necessary. And even mm-hmm. beyond being necessary, um, somehow Jesus is saying is, is that there's actually that joy of not having to have that evidence or, or whatever to believe that you don't need that, and you can actually be just as good, if not better, without it. Uh, right. Which yeah. is, it's crazy to, for us to think in our culture. Um, it kind of yes. it kind of goes to uh, <laughs> one of the analogies I was trying to use on Sunday is that that bridge between evidence, to throw out that, that word again, mm-hmm. and reality and that, that bridge that um, we live in a society where we want to have that entire bridge kind of covered, you know, like all the evidence there to get to reality. And in reality, but how we live most of our lives is there's always some sort of gap of faith in most of the things that we're encountering. And, uh, and if we kind of acknowledge that, that mm-hmm. there's, there's always some faith there, um, that why, 
is it okay to have that longer bridge of faith, and does that actually make life better for us? Oh, sure. Um, I, I couldn't help yeah. but think back to um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade oh, when, of I, course, yeah. <laughs> when I was looking at this, and that you know that last trial where he has to step out in faith, oh, and there's yeah, that yeah. wooden bridge or that rock bridge that he couldn't mm-hmm. see. Once he steps on it, he can mm-hmm. see it. Right. And uh, my my thought was that you know we can live life constantly looking down to make sure, hey, is this next step in place? Is this next step in place? Or is it easier, is it more efficient for us to finally just say, you know what, that bridge is there. God has put that out there, and I can walk, and I will experience things along the way that are amazing because I'm not constantly looking down on where my feet are. And uh, so it opens up a whole Mm -hmm. new world of vision because I'm not having to look at where my feet are planted. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, uh, the, the human the human brain is a prediction and then trust machine. I mean, that's what we do. That's how we are different than almost everything else around us and our ability to really push that into the future to say, what, what might happen? What are the possibilities here? And then uh, proceeding with stuff. You know, like, okay, this food is hot. That means it's probably going to be okay for me, uh, you know, in terms of of, of eating it. Yep. You know, it's not going to make me sick. Most of the time that works out. Some of the time that does not work <laughs> out. And then we learn a lesson, right? And we predict again. And then we go back into the future. And we, we, we keep making these uh, kind of on-the-ground versions of this. But we don't want to, for some reason, we quarantine the spiritual part of ourselves off from that kind of same, that yes. same rhythm. And that's a, it's a terribly dishonest thing internally for us, but it's also dishonest as a, a group of people as well. And so it's texts like this that I think call us on the carpet on that. And it's great. It's a wonderful uh, kind of moment where we go, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and I think that uh, you're definitely right that we have almost a double standard when it comes to how we live the rest of our life, and then when it comes to this faith, supernatural, whatever it might be, um, and how we don't apply the same standards to it um, in how our brain works. And I, I love the same type of thinking that you're saying here, love how this kind of brings us to that and say, no, you can be the same type of evidence that you use in your other day life as far as that predictive nature and, the, and then trust, um, that works with God. And I, I actually think God is saying it actually works even better with me, that you read the Old Testament and you get these stories of this is how God was faithful every single time, and then to be able to apply that saying God will be faithful here, and it's not just the Old Testament, it's the entire Bible, um, but uh, how God will will live up to his promises um, so that I could say on Sunday, I can say right here that Jesus is present, that Jesus is alive. He's here because he has promised that where two or more are gathered, he's here. He's promised in Matthew, end of Matthew 28, where it says, and I will always be with you to the very end of the age, that I can hold on to those promises because of that predictive trust um, right. way that our, yeah. our brains work and kind of how reality mm-hmm. Yeah. Set up to work and, a and, bit. and it, you know, it, it trickles down even into the mundane things where, uh, you know, you look at the teachings of Jesus and he says, all right, you know, love your neighbor as you would yourself. And you put that into practice and you see that you have a much uh, better and more fulfilling life. Not that it's not that it works every time, but that over the long run, um, loving your neighbor is better than hating your neighbor. 
Yes. You know, and that's, that's historically a thing, but also in your own personal experience, when you start to make those predictions and then trust that those predictions do turn out the way that, uh, that they do. And when you start to look at life through that lens, um, and let that color it, then it does become a, a better experience of life. I don't know how else to say it, that your life is more fulfilling. Um, and even the flip side of that, when you take on suffering in the way that Jesus took on suffering, that it becomes a better experience, if I can even use that word. You well, know what yeah, I'm saying? You, but, you see how the New Testament writers talk about suffering in joy, and you're like, well, how could that be the case? And yet, oh, uh, sure, yeah. by living out in, in faith through that, they had a whole different experience than what we mm-hmm. would expect to find in suffering. Um, I think of someone who's struggling to f- forgive someone who has hurt them or a l- hurt a loved one, which I might even be harder to forgive. Right. Um, and you just can't see how that would make the situation better by forgiving that person, how giving that away, all the anger, the bitterness, the the justice in there, how, how if I give that away, will this make the situation any better? Will, how will it make life any better? Yet, that is what Jesus is saying. Hey, trust me. You, you see, I, I've laid this out for you, and just trust me. Take that leap of faith, and all of a sudden there could be life in a dead situation that you never could see before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And and what's really, um, I think, what's just fun for me is that you know when you when you think about uh, spirituality that way, and when you think about um, the universe as we know kind of scientifically they they are not that far apart i mean that is in some ways that's how the universe the engine of the universe runs as well i mean it's a probability uh, machine that sometimes it's this and other times it's that but most of the time it's this you know mm-hmm. there's a there's a way at which um kind of uh, at the most foundational level of the universe we have this kind of probability engine that um we're not certain but we're certain that it kind of ends yeah. up in these one or two areas, and uh, it, it usually does. So it's, I just find it fascinating. You know, as time. I was doing a lot of uh, um, video watching for those glasses that help correct colorblind, one, I wanted to make sure, is this a real thing? Is it real? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and so I did a lot of uh, watching a, a videos of people who were putting them on for the first time, and a couple things that really stood out to me is people who would look at bushes that they had seen forever and didn't realize that there were colored flowers in those bushes, mm-hmm. that it all looked the same color, it all looked the same. Same thing with a guy who saw a pear tree, could never see the pears in there. Right. Um, and all of a sudden he put on the glasses, like, whoa, that, that, those are the pears or the bushes. And like, hey, there's red in there. And uh, it, it kind of went back to this whole thing, idea that now you're seeing life through with color with vibrancy, that there is, you see things in the same situations that you never saw before, especially when it comes into, I think, the tough areas of life, um, the suffering, the pain, disease, sickness, whatnot, that you can look at those areas and you can see the color now. You can see how, yes, there's there's tough darkness going on, but I see light in this, and I see how God is going to use this and bring about something good from this that I could never see before. Sure. And so mm-hmm. as you look at all of life in that new framework, even in the, the, the trouble areas, there's, there's new life in there that you 
wouldn't have seen without that step of faith, that that perspective that we have. Yeah, it sounds like death and resurrection. It kind of does. Yeah. It all kind of comes back to that a little bit. <laughs> it does. And, uh, well, uh, we are uh, a little past uh, thirty minutes, so our uh, our time is up. Um, for today, but thanks for sitting down uh, and talking through this stuff, Michael. Really appreciate no what you had Pleasure to say to here. Uh, on Sunday and also uh, in the podcast today. Uh, thanks for listening today. If you have questions or comments that you want to add to the discussion, uh, you can do that by following the link uh, in the Calvary app, or if you're listening on the web, you'll find comments at the bottom of the page, or if you're listening in the podcast app, uh, you can either check out the show notes or head over to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection uh, to comment there. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and uh, keep that conversation going. And next week, we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, the idea of forgiveness. So until then, grace and peace.